0: I gotta tell you i'm not used to preaching in the dark it's almost i uh i'm not a morning person if i was online i would be in my pajamas right now if i was at home um but it's really good to be with you all gosh it's killing me i love looking people in the eyes and it's like i can't really see your eyes i uh pulled in this morning and i was nervous and it's a really healthy thing because Standing before the people of God with his word to share it, it's not a small thing. No matter how many times you do it, just like giving birth five times, each time I can remember saying to a dear friend of mine when I was pregnant, especially with number five, oh my gosh, there's going to be a point where I feel like I'm going to die. She's like, yeah, she has seven, so she knows better than I do. And, uh, And every time I do this, I get a little nervous called a good friend of mine, because I don't just have something that I offer to people called a life shared, I live it. I share my life closely with many, because alone is not so good. And I called someone who's on my advisory council for a life shared, a dear friend, and I said, I'm a nervous wreck. She's like, well, that's okay, nerves are healthy. And we talked and it was like a pep talk I needed. And I said, I love you, I'll talk to you later. I'm kissing you on both cheeks and the forehead. See you when I get home in Lexington, Kentucky area. And before I got out of my car, a gentleman in his car smiled and nodded. And then I came in the doors and everybody in the back smiled and said, good morning. And I said, oh, we're gonna do just fine here because you all are warm and welcoming. They didn't even know I was Ellen. They found out I was Ellen, and they are like, oh, oh, good morning, we've got things for you, and everything got a little weird for just a second, and then we all relaxed again. Thank you for being people who welcome others. Because most of us at some point have been to a church where you walk in, and they kind of see you, and they look at your head, and they look all the way down to your feet, And they look you again in the eyes and they just walk away. (laughs) Thank you for being people who welcome others when they come. It is a joy to be here and I truly feel at home. And I can't say that every time I get to visit places. It says a lot about who you all choose to be in Christ. So we are looking at Genesis today. Chapter two, starting at verse 18. And I'm gonna read from paper because while I ordered new glasses, they're not in yet. And my progressive lenses on the bottom ain't helping me enough right now. My optometrist said, oh, I said, yes, that's why I'm here. I need some help. <laughs> so I had to print a large, large font. You can follow along on the screen, reading, however you do it. Bible app, like my 15 year old, whatever suits you. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. Before I read it, um, Jesus, thank you for all the people who are praying this morning. Thank you for someone in my small group who just texted me and said, Ellen, I'm praying right now. Not even in North Carolina. Thank you for a friend who, when I asked her to pray a few days ago, she said grace flows over things that come into the light. Grace flows over things that come into the light. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you are light. And help us this morning to welcome you in whatever way that you long to come to us by your spirit so that we don't miss out on your grace or your light. Because truly with you, there is nothing that we need to hide. Then the Lord God said, it is not good, this is even better than this, this is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, well, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, "You will not die. For God knows that if you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife, they hid themselves We're actually done now with the scripture. (laughs) Clark mentioned that I have five children, five boys. I actually lied just a little. I tend to round up in age. The oldest one's still 16, forgive me. He'll be 17 in November. Sometimes I do it so much with my own age that by the time I get to a birthday, I add an extra year than I'm actually having. I know that's sad, right? With all of my children, we've played a lot of hide-and-seek. Anybody ever played hide-and-seek? Isn't it the funnest game? Please raise your hand. That way I know I'm talking with people. I'm not all alone up here. When St. Augustine preached, it was very dialectic. That meant they actually, like, answered him. Boy, we've missed out on that now. Thank you. So. I think everybody in here has played hide-and-seek. Anybody kind of outgrown hide-and-seek? So you get a little crafty with it and your original hiding space you don't keep and when they get close to you but then they're not there anymore, you move? You do that, yeah, that's about a teenager game. yeah. Oh, you do that too, you're advanced for your age, I'm excited for you. And then there's another game where when you're just too big for hide-and-seek and you really can't limit it to the house anymore, there's kick the can. Anybody ever played kick the can? Yeah, we live on five acres. We're very fortunate to live in this beautiful hilltop overlooking Wilmore, Kentucky, and um, and we have kids come and, and they play kick the can, and it's a, a fun game. Because the idea is right, you hide, but in the end everybody's found. The point isn't to hide; it's to be found. And if you're really, really good at hiding, then you get to be the one who they say, olly Ollie, oxen free, and then you get to kind of stroll out and like, you didn't find me because I hide so well. But they don't stay hidden, they come out. I wonder if Adam and Eve and the Lord God played hide and seek in the garden. I mean, he, he came and was with them every day, Right? He made, if we read earlier in the creation account, this remarkable space for them. We read through both creation accounts yesterday during the talk, Embrace the Sacred Gift, and one of the parents said it perfectly. He made everything for them, and then he made them and put them there. Like making a home for someone and filling all the cupboards and all the linens, and then saying, here it is. I mean, can you imagine such a gift? We built the home that we live in. My husband's a contractor. I really cannot imagine if someone had just built it for us, filled it for us, and said, come on in, it's yours. That's what the Lord God did for Adam and Eve. He made everything and then he said, here you go, enjoy. And there was one boundary One thing that they needed to be safe, they were not to eat from one tree because then they would know good and evil. You know, so often, especially as a mother of five children, my kids think I'm keeping things from them. Any parent in here ever deal with that? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, somebody said... And I used to think that it was limited to the age of the child. It's not. It's an ongoing condition in the relationship, (laughs) right? We want to protect our own. We want to care for them. We want the best for them. We want them safe. Sometimes so much that as mothers and fathers we really actually cause harm, but it was really rooted in good intentions. I mean, my husband once said, can we get like a retroactive parenting plan with our three oldest? We've gotten better at this. And I said, well, it's debatable if we've gotten better at it. I think we're just tired, but there is no retroactive plan. It's called counseling and that's all we got to go for. Anybody like resonate with that? You know, I talk about in my book at the end of one chapter that it's not about getting it right. It's about just choosing active love. And so God has made this amazing place for Adam and Eve. Clark, we have a problem. I don't have a clock in front of me. Okay, I like respecting time limits because I'm type A firstborn planner. I use timers all the time. So the space is made and everything is for them. Just the one thing. And I don't know about you all, but I am that person who's really interested in the one thing I'm not supposed to have. Like, really, that's me. God bless my mother and father. And so the serpent shows up and says, You won't die. And in some ways, he was right. He is crafty that way. they didn't die on the spot. But they did die later. And the worst part is, is... we talked about this some yesterday. After they ate, what happened? Say it again? They did become fearful. And they were fearful because all of a sudden things looked different. Their eyes were open. Nobody changed the color of the walls. Nobody came in and removed trees and redesigned the garden. Nobody went shopping for new clothes because they were, it says, naked. But all of a sudden their eyes were open and they knew it. And it was a problem for them. And instead of being in the garden free, of being in the garden with joy and all things being good, there was something bad. The Lord God had tried to save them from it. He warned them like good parents do. But they chose it for themselves. Like silly me. Sometimes does. And all of a sudden, they weren't naked and unashamed. They were naked and ashamed. You ever had a dream where you're naked and you're in public? I used to have that dream. I don't know what that says about me. Nobody raised their hand on that one. Wow, leave a girl alone. Thank you. Oh, someone did. Thank you for like keeping me in good company here. Being naked is vulnerable. Being naked, there's nothing hidden. But the funny thing is, is God didn't have a problem with Adam and Eve's nakedness. That's how he made them. They had a problem with it when they knew good and evil. And so what did they do? They didn't say, Lord God, come find me. I'm hiding in the garden waiting for you. Let's play hide and seek. No, they hid. And they didn't wanna be found. I don't know about you, but I've hid from the Lord God. I have seen good and evil and I have looked at myself and said, oh, Lord God, you can't see me like this. I'm naked. I need to go get some big leaves and a loincloth and hide myself because you're not okay seeing me like this. And that's really the funny thing about it is he already sees me. He already saw Adam and Eve. To him, they looked no different. They started off naked and they were still naked. The only difference was they were trying to hide it. Because they were ashamed. Yesterday at the talk, Embrace the Sacred Gift, I'm so glad that I did my job well enough that, Clark, got it really wasn't about sex at all. But isn't it funny how some things have power over us that cause us to want to hide, that make us really uncomfortable, like we don't want to look in the eyes of people while we talk about it, because it's vulnerable and awkward? Thank you, yeah. And sometimes, we are so vulnerable and hidden that we don't even know we're hiding because our hiding space is the place we dwell. Yeah, huh? (laughs) I can remember being in seminary. I was there forever, it seemed like. I was in seminary single. I was in seminary married. I was in seminary with one child, two child, three. Proper, not proper grammar, but you're following me. I joked with some people that I did seminary every way you could except divorced and widowed. It was the truth of it. And there were times while I was in seminary where I hid from the Lord God. I mean, here I was in seminary, like preparing to be a leader with the people of God, a servant to the people of God. And I was hiding. Because God couldn't be okay with the fact that I dealt with anger. I didn't just feel anger. Anger in itself is just fine, but that I sinned in my anger, that I lashed out and behaved badly behind the closed doors of my home, Anybody ever had that problem? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. We can, Oh, we, I love this. Man, we are so naked and unashamed in this room. Why do you need me here? And I'll never forget being in one class. There are several classes that stand out. But one class, it was, the, it was a doctrine class. It was about who is God. Theology, not very sexy or exciting. And the professor was talking about how God is always pursuing us. And he pulled out The Runaway Bunny by Margaret Wise Brown. Anybody familiar with that classic? Precious book. It's one of the ones I've kept for whenever I have grandchildren, Lord willing. I am older than I look. I'm almost 46. At least I still hope. I look younger than I am. (laughs) And in that book, the bunny wants to hide from his mama. And the bunny runs to a garden and becomes a crocus and the mama becomes a gardener to care for the bunny. And so the bunny runs away again and at some point the bunny becomes a boat to sail away and the mama becomes the wind and blows the bunny where she wants the bunny to be. And the bunny tries again and again, well, then, then I'll become this and hide from you. And she says, and then I will become this and follow after you. And in the end, the bunny says, well, I may as well just be your little bunny. Friends, where are you this morning? Are you playing hide and seek with the Lord God? close and free in an intimate relationship sharing your life openly with him are you hiding and really comfortable in your cozy place because you've been hiding for a while and nobody knows but you and the Lord God and he's let you be there because you've decided that's where you're safe, where you can be vulnerable and exposed and and protecting yourself? Or are you trembling and and gathering your fig leaves because you've just figured out that things are not okay and that you can't let the Lord God see your condition? I've been in all those places. And all of them are painful and lonely, filled with broken pieces. And they're not what we were made for. I love at the beginning of the text that we read today. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. When we're hide, we're all by ourselves. We're alone. We're in the dark. And the Lord God said, it's not good for us to be alone. So he made community for Adam. He made Eve. I'm a guest here. But I like to think that Jesus has given me some eyes to see and some ears to hear and a heart to catch on just a little bit and like I said you all are warm people you all love each other I think you even like each other love can be easy like can be hard we can be in a room just like this hiding sitting right in our seat Hoping that no one sees the fig leaves we've sown. And then the Lord God shows up. He comes to us and he says, Where are you? You know, there's a lot of conversation about that. You know, people are like, well, the Lord knows everything, so it's not like He's really asking, Where are you? He already knows, right? Thank you. I mean, it's a little confusing. I just love you. We would have so much fun together. We are having fun together. He calls out, Where are you? you ever walked into a home, your home, and said, hey, I'm home, where are you? We have people before COVID who would come to our home to visit. Gosh, I brought up the C word, that gets dangerous. I'm gonna backpedal real quick, we'll just move on. But guests come into our home, and, and we used to have friends who came to our home who were single, they had not married. Some of them have now, some of them still haven't. And my children, would just run to them with joy that they were there. And I could see what it was like for them who lived alone in their home to have someone overjoyed that they were there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like people with grandchildren, you know? They're just like, when are Grandma and Sammy and going to be here? That's my mom and stepfather. When are Grandma and Sammy i going to be here? Can you text them? Can you call them? How close are they? And then I have one who every time he hides when they pull into the driveway. Why? Because he wants to be found. And they come in and they say, we're here. And I'm usually like hurry, scurry, getting a few more things done because my mom's house is really neat and tidy and I have, well, five boys. And I just let them have their moment of greeting their grandbabies, because the truth is, is she's gonna greet them first. And then I say, hey, it's so good to have you here. I think the Lord God was doing with Adam and Eve what he does with us today. Where are you? I'm here. Do you wanna come be with me? Can we play hide and seek in the garden? Is dinner ready? The Lord God made us. And oh, how he longs to share life with us because we are his. And for those of us in this room who say Jesus is Lord, guess what? He is ours and we are his. But man, when we hide, we miss out. I've been married 18 years as of this summer and I gotta tell you, married life is the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm a firstborn married to a firstborn <laughs> but it's the best thing i've ever done too and just recently there was this hard conversation i needed to have with him about something and i mean in my book i talk about hard conversations and how to have them like i know how to do this but it doesn't mean I've perfected it. That's silly. Nobody's perfected living. It doesn't mean it's easy for me. If something's hard, like you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to talk about it. But it remains this barrier until you do. So a couple weekends ago, I finally just took a deep breath. I had interviewed um, a husband and wife for the podcast, and we did an episode called Worth the Risk, And it was because they do hard conversation really well because they've decided it's worth the risk. And from it, they have found a closeness and an intimacy that they had never known in other relationships. And so like, just through interviewing them, I was reminded and encouraged again, Ellen, it's worth it, come on, you can do this. And I quit hiding something from my husband and I just shared it with him. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> Because my husband is safe. At least safe enough most of the time. And I said, I feel a lot better. Thanks for making this easy. And he said, I know you feel better. I've had to do this with you. This morning I was sitting here. What time is it, Clark? Clark. What time am I done, Clark? Now? Excellent. We're there. Thank you, Jesus. We're there. This morning, I was sitting here in the pew, or my chair, and and sometimes Jesus gives me glimpses of things that I can't see without him helping me to see them. And sometimes he helps me to hear things that I call like a silent whisper that I can't hear without his spirit sharing with me. He's been doing this with me for over 20 years and the congregation I'm a part of back home, GCF Vineyard, I love you. It's a safe place for that kind of communing with the Lord and with one another. And this morning as I was sitting in my pew, I sensed that maybe, and I could be wrong, I get things wrong, that maybe there's someone in this room that Jesus really just wants to scoop up like the sheep that ran away and just scoop up and carry to a bath and wash you clean because you're tired from hiding and you know that you just can't make it all right yourself. And it's amazing because with Jesus We cannot make it right ourselves. I mean, if we kept reading of this account, poor Adam and Eve, they made their sweet little figs. I can only imagine what that looked like for them. You know, like a kid trying to make their own costume. Or a sweet five-year-old who gets the cardboard box for their derby car. I mean, they tried. And if we read later in the story, God did a remarkable thing. He killed an animal. There was death. And he made clothes for them because all they could see was that they were naked and they couldn't get past it and they just weren't okay. And so God cared for them and attended to them. But then he sent them out so they couldn't eat from the tree of life and death. friends, if you're looking at yourself and all you see is filth and muck and grime, Jesus really wants to just scoop you up from where you are and wash you clean so that death is arrested for you and you're free, just like we sang. Just like we sang. And I sense that some of us Jesus did this with me recently. We have kind of covered ourselves with a veneer. A couple of weeks ago, I responded at the end of our service and shared with prayer ministers we have at that church about something that Jesus has been asking me to trust Him with for 17 years. And I've just been too afraid. 17 years of being too afraid. And I said to the people who prayed for me, I feel like my arms are in shackles. And I can't pull them apart anymore. That's what I've, I've done for myself for 16, 17 years. And I'm tired of it. And Jesus came through that time in prayer. And it was like there was this covering over my whole body that I'd made for myself so I could be safe, you know? So I could be hidden. But him still see me but not really see me, you know, with my fig leaves? And it was like he grabbed me firmly and all of it fell off. And when it fell off, It was like he poured water over it because I was so afraid it would cling to me because I might like pick it up and try to patch it back together. (laughs) You know, you hide for a long time and you're suddenly naked and you're going to be tempted to feel ashamed. And he poured water on it and he pulled it all together and he tossed it really far away. And I sense that there's some of us here this morning that you got a covering on and he wants to just shake it off of you. And I don't think your coverings are as nasty and thick as mine were, because what I sense him wanting to do is just a, and it's gone, it's just gone. And so when the Lord God comes to you and says, where are you, you can say, I'm here. Or you can say, I'm hiding, come find me. Because you're naked. That you're not ashamed anymore. Because like we talked about yesterday, he says you're his and that you are good. And with Jesus, the rules changed. We're not sent out of the garden. We're invited back in, friends. Where are you this morning? Do you hear the Lord God calling out to you? You're here because at some point, in some part of you, you decided he's good. And I'm here from Kentucky to remind you he still is. And that you don't have to hide from him. Because he is yours and you are his. And he's got something better for you than fig leaves. And in Jesus, today, it can all be made right, and you can be in the garden together, living in the fullness of the life that Christ longs for us as his own, naked but not ashamed.